The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these times of rapid change, chaos, and crisis... A new wave of legendary leaders is rising up to answer their higher calling. Many are not famous nor have followers, though some do. They are brave individuals like you, seeking your highest truth and committed to deep personal change. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling with your host, Maria Danley. Here is the innovative support you've been looking for to become the legendary leader you are destined to be. Now, here's Maria Danley. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling. I'm your host, Maria Danley, and thank you for being here. It's good to be back after a long bout with the flu, and I'm excited to be here with you live today. Today, our show begins with another story from the Merlin Arthur legend, And in the past, we've been sharing these stories from the legend to inspire you all to pursue your higher calling. So far, we've been laying a foundation, setting the groundwork for future conversations that we'll be having to explain what chivalry is. And today, our story will share the very first quality of chivalry that Arthur learned as a boy, and that quality is honor. It'll be a way for you to prepare to become the legendary leader you're destined to be. So shortly, we're going to hear a story about that first quality of chivalry, honor. And later, we're going to be talking more about honor and honesty with ourselves, specifically around the topic of sugar. Our guest today is one of my very best friends, Amy Waters, a certified holistic health coach and author of Sweet Healing, Free Your Body from Sugar Cravings and Nourish Yourself with Divine Dessert. We'll be talking about the toxic tyranny of sugar and how you can reclaim your power, get back, let's say, your positivity from the negativity that sugar does create in our bodies, and find more motivation by learning how to more deeply nurture yourself. And connected to this topic in our brain tip of the week, I'm going to guide you all in a visualization to meet the three faces of your inner parent, the critical parent, the indulgent parent, and the nurturing parent, or your nurturing adult presence. And when you meet them, you're going to encounter some of your foes that you've been battling with inside your head or in your body. And you're also going to reclaim some connection to one of your visionary allies. 
So I'm hoping today that Amy and I are going to have time to take live calls because this is a really hot topic around sugar and nurturing ourselves. In fact, we're going to spend two weeks on this topic and um, topics around nurturing ourselves with Amy. And this is part one today. And if you're interested in calling in, please have this number handy. It's 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. And I'll have Amy here. We can both uh, talk to you about this topic. We will want to hear from you. So uh, often these shows are packed with a lot. So (laughs) I do hope we'll have time to uh, call, that you can call in and we can speak to you. But first, a story. We've talked about Merlin's dream to create a world where fairies and humans could live together in peace, where individual differences would be celebrated, where individuals could work together with mutual respect, acting out of personal responsibility and character. We've, we've also spoke, we also spoke about how Merlin's dream was ignited for him one afternoon, fishing for stones with a fairy queen. We learned how Merlin looked for an opportunity to begin to manifest his dream and how it came in an encounter with King Vortigern, where Merlin became his advisor and moved on to become the chief advisor to King Uther after Vortigern's passing. And still with the eye of the hawk, the falcon, Merlin looked and waited for an opportunity to see his dream to begin to manifest. And it came as an opportunity, piggybacked upon the lust of King Uther, Merlin worked his magic to give the king what he wanted, and Merlin seized the opportunity that came out of that potential. And what was that potential? The birth of a boy, a child that would belong to Merlin as part of his agreement with Uther, a child that would be taken that Uther could never claim because he was a wolf in sheep clothing, and Uther could never claim the boy as his own. And Merlin would raise that boy in the natural life, teach that boy to dream, teach that boy the art of chivalry to become whole, to find an alliance of self, to become one within himself. And Arthur would learn these 12 qualities of chivalry as he grew, and he'd learn how to change and transform himself first. And in his genuine transformation, it would transform the world around him, which it did. Eventually, Arthur would grow and reflect that oneness within himself in his first triumph. Arthur's first triumph was in the raising of the sword from the stone, in the lifting of Excalibur. Excalibur, a mighty sword that that rights all wrongs and heals all wounds, a gift that Merlin received from the Lady of the Lake, from the Lady of the Realm, that Merlin first had given to Uther. And Uther, at the end of his days, spent, bitter, with no heirs, stabbing Excalibur into the earth, making his proclamation that the next person who could pull the sword out of the stone, out of the stone-hard earth, pull it out of the heart of England, a land metaphorically hardened by the warring, the raping of the earth, the infertility, the infertility under Uther's reign, that he would, that he could remove, the one who could remove this thorn from the heart of England would be the next king. 
And it was Arthur who would draw Excalibur from the earth, from the stone. And this was Arthur's first test, that he was whole within himself. And with that wholeness, Arthur could heal the wounds of a land and of its people. How did Arthur become whole within himself? By learning, by embracing, and living these qualities of chivalry within himself that he learned from Merlin. Merlin would come to be with him and teach him the art of chivalry. Now, Merlin was friends with Sir Ector, a knight in the land who lived with his wife and his son, who worked a simple life, a farmer living close to nature. And this is the one that Merlin chose to raise Arthur. And Merlin would come and visit and teach and be a mentor, a teacher and guide. To a boy, anybody over a certain age is old, and Merlin would be an old man and be the boy's old man mentor guide to be his ancient one. To be his magician, his advisor, seeking the counsel of this ancient one, and doing so from the time that he was but a young boy. So Hector and his wife in the living of life, would teach Arthur the ways of the world, to live in the world, certainly so, and Merlin would come periodically to teach him beyond that. The first thing that was important to teach Arthur was to teach the boy to be honest and to honor himself with honesty, to be honorable. And this was the first lesson, the lesson of honor that Merlin taught Arthur, the first quality of chivalry. For that's where it begins, That's the foundation. That is the first step, to be honest with yourself, to honor yourself with honesty, to have honor. You do yourself a disservice whenever you are not honest with yourself. You may question how honest you'll be with others from time to time. But in truth, your being honest with yourself is key. Not only the first step in chivalry, but the key to becoming that future legendary leader that is inside of you. Honor is to be committed to seeking the highest truth, which is always evolving, always changing, to go and stand before truth, so to speak, inside yourself, to be with it and let it change you, to let it change your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs and attitudes, to let them change in the moment. Honor starts with being honest with yourself, then honoring others to let them have impact to change you. And this is where Arthur's teaching began in learning to be honest with himself, the first step in learning the art of chivalry. Next week, I will share my personal encounter with Merlin, where he helped me to be more honest with myself. But for now, for all of you listening, I'd like you to think about and write down this phrase. In which areas of my life could I be more honest with myself? In which areas of my life could I be more honest with myself? Look at your finances, love, health, work, relationships. You know where you're either in denial or you just don't want to look, but have the courage to do that and write about them. You might begin a sentence with, If I were more honest with myself... I would gently tell myself the truth about this, which would be, if I were more honest with myself, I would gently tell myself the truth about this, and that truth would be, and let yourself just write, call God in, Jesus, your higher self, whatever you work with to be connected to the grander you. 
No one has to read this but you. And you can take your first step on your road to chivalry and to greater power and freedom today. Welcome back. Hey, I am so excited to tell you about something that is going to happen on April 16th. I'm going to be giving you a free phone call that I've designed for all of you. And on this call, I'm going to take you on a journey to help you find exactly whatever it is that's blocking you or holding you back or keeping you stuck. And this call that I'm designing for you will get you unstuck and get you focused on whatever it is that you truly want, something that really matters to you. Would you like to join me on that call? I hope so. And all of you, all that you have to do is just go to www.legendaryleaders.com and sign up today. And also, I've, I've got a big surprise coming up after the show on the week of April 21st. And just to tell you, I can't tell you much yet. It's a bit of a surprise. But I will say this. It's the culmination of my life's work. And if you are interested in understanding more about that and you want to join me in it, then be on that call because it is really exciting. You won't want to miss that call. Please go to legendaryleaders.com and sign up. There actually will be two days, April 16th and Saturday, April 18th. You can sign up for either free call. I am very excited about my next guest. She's my personal friend, and I will say my life is transformed by her her beauty, her creativity, and her amazing work with food. And so I, she's my guest this week and next week as well. Amy Waters is a certified holistic health coach from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and founder of the longevityrecipe.com, where she offers gluten-free recipes and guidance to help others craft a self-nurturing way of being and a relationship with, with food that serves their vitality, lasting health, and happiness. She recently authored the book, Sweet Healing, Free Your Body from Sugar Cravings and Nourish Yourself with Divine Dessert. Amy lives with her husband, Philippe, and little dog, Emma, in Novato, California. So please welcome my guest, Amy Waters. Hey, Maria. So wonderful <laughs> to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And I can, I said the problem will be how much I'll be glowing about Amy. Her, her desserts are so fantastic. And the way she's changed uh, my sugar addiction is really amazing. Uh, it, it, I've probably said that word twice. It's wonderful to have you here, Amy, today. Oh, you know, we'd, we'd all like to hear your story of how you came to write your book, Sweet Healing. Wow, yeah, well, it really has been a journey for me. If you would have told me uh, even 10 years ago that I'd be writing a book that I of, of being free from sugar addiction, I would have thought you were crazy because <laughs> I have been um, struggling, had been struggling with sugar for all my life, really. It started at a very young age and um, just loved it. And not only did I love eating the sugar, but I loved baking sugary treats. In fact, it really had me be very connected to my family because I was the youngest of six kids. And, you know, there's not a whole lot to contribute when you're the youngest. So when you're making all these delicious treats, you have all these hungry mouths and 
happy hearts coming your way and enjoying your treats. And so it made me feel very connected to my family as well. So there was a big emotional connection to it. But by the time I was, you know, certainly in a teenager, I was completely um, addicted to sugar. And when I say that, I mean I felt very distracted by sugar. I felt um, that my life was run by a lot of compulsive behaviors, um, either letting myself binge on sugar or being very militaristic around how I exercised to exercise off <laughs> the guilt as much as the calories. Um, and so I was, and I was starting to struggle with my weight. Um, so I started to reach for diets, and I tried all kinds of diets. And I ran across one that really illustrated and really went into detail about what sugar actually did to our bodies. And this was 30 years ago. And I was utterly stunned. I couldn't believe that we weren't, you know, paying more attention to this doctor um, because he'd done the science and he'd really laid out that every time you eat sugar, not just, you know, over a lifetime or over a few years, but every time you eat sugar, you're literally doing damage to every organ in your body. Um, I know we know it raises insulin. We know it makes our heart race. You know, it, it does, you know, all these physical things that we can feel, but it literally causes so much damage in the wake of just eating some sugar. Can you tell us a little so, bit more about that, Amy? Like, what kind of damage, yeah. just briefly? As I, I know we well, all know that. Yeah, it, it, it raises your insulin, obviously, so you can easily become insulin resistant. You're no longer getting the energy you need from the food you're eating. Um, your brain is literally being dosed with such a high amount of these pleasure centers that it, it gets whacked. That's how we, why we start to feel a little whacked out, like we feel a little dizzy sometimes, or we feel that crash. It is having a severe impact on our brain function and the way we are actually, the synapses and how they're sparking with each other. It literally, um, it drugs us. And in a way that then we feel that crash. And our liver is, is now filled with all these toxins it doesn't know what to do with. Our blood is running faster and coarser through our, our veins. It's, it's, it's damage that, you know, you're not going to be able to see on any kind of, you know, Richter scale or anything, but it's, 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 it, it's there. You're causing inflammation in your body. Yeah. And inflammation is at the root, really, of all disease, um, including, of course, cancer, as we know. And, you know, I don't think it's a big revelation at this time in our lives. It was at that time, 30 years ago, but now the way sugar is being talked about, we are really getting more comfortable with the fact that, yeah, okay, sugar is toxic. You know, sugar is killing me. I don't think that's a radical thing to say anymore. I think people do understand that. Now, I think where the resistance comes to, well, let me back up here. You asked me about how I came to write this book. I came to write this book because I went through my own journey with this. And, um, you know, I, I tried to, you know, manipulate and manage my sugar cravings. I was sort of resigned to the fact that, you know, I would just have, sort of have to manage them and, um, and and live a life where I didn't get to have the freedom that other people had. You know, I couldn't just go in and buy, you know, some cookies and, you know, sh- you know eat one or two during the day. I would, I would eat the whole bag if I bought a, a box of cookies or if I went to a party, I'd be very distracted by all the sweet treats. And then, of course, I would exercise compulsively. So I felt very, um, uh, I didn't feel in partnership. You know, certainly with my body, and I certainly had no idea what it meant to nurture myself. Not really. 
um, I started to get into, you know, healthy ideas in terms of eating healthier foods um, in, in concert with my sugar, but um, I didn't understand what it meant to, to live a nurturing life and to be nurturing to my body and to love my body. Um, and my rude awakening came when I was um, in my 30s. And my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And it was devastating I, because I knew that sugar and, and what she was eating, you know, uh, had an impact on her, her diagnosis. And I also knew that nutrition could possibly help in um, helping to heal her. And yet I didn't have the information. I didn't really know how to do that, but I, but I knew that food was medicine on some level. I just hadn't done the research. I hadn't done the study of it. So it had me dive in really deep and very fast to learn as much as I could um, and to help her as much as I could. Um, and, you know, it was too late for her. You know, she did die within six months, but I, it had me continually look and it had me wake up to my own choices and decisions and what I was doing with my life. Not only what I, what I was eating, but how was I living? What, what, what choices was I making about, you know, pursuing my dreams, pursuing what mattered to me? And, and uh, I looked a lot at my mom's, you know, not only what she ate, but her own inner wounds and what she didn't allow herself in her life and how that, of course, was part of the diagnosis. So it thrust me into a much, much deeper journey, um, far beyond nutrition, but um, really a spiritual journey and a spiritual quest to find what had heart and meaning and and how I wanted to be different with my body. And, of course, I also did still pursue nutrition because I've always been fascinated with food. I love to eat, and I love (laughs) the, the sweet flavors, and I love the sweetness of life, and, you know, it one thing I really just want to say to the audience here who are people who love sweet treats, you know, that's not a bad thing. You know, it means that you are people that are sensuous people. You're people that, that desire more for yourselves. And I think there's a place where people don't want to give up sugar. They hear that. And they mean, that means, oh, shoot, my life isn't going to be as much fun without it. What am I going to do? I don't want to give it up. And so I wanted to write this book because I wanted to make a very clear simple, easy to read, hopefully inspiring map for people to, you know, easily clear out the physical addiction. Because, yes, sugar is addictive. It's 10 times more addictive than cocaine. You know, you're going to keep wanting more and more and more, and it is a very vicious cycle. But that's easily cleaned up. You know, you know, you know that's, a, that's a staggering statistic, a statistic, and I don't think many people really actually know that that is true, that sugar yeah. is 10 times more addictive than cocaine. I remember yeah, the first time I heard that, that, and I was utterly stunned that, that it was that yeah. addictive. And so it's no small thing when we, we try, and all of us probably go through this, where we try for a day or two, and it takes about three days to really get it out of the system, but where you yeah. just... Uh, you get so hard to get off of it, and you want it again, and your body is craving it. There's so many, so many cells wanting it, and yet it's just yeah. so bad for us, uh huh. So I do understand yeah, that yo-yo, and it also, you know, we we talked about negativity in in the, our past several calls, where we have this negative ego, this negative voice that is always trying to be destructive, and this voice. It just it seems to live on sugar. So do cancer cells. So many so many negative things in our bodies just want it and say, "I want it," and they make those demands on us. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, that what you're sort of speaking to there 
is, um, I think, two, two things. I think I sort of, you know, cravings I hold as three, there's three different categories to cravings. There's the physical craving that really means your body's out of balance. It means, yeah, you have probably a buildup of bad bacteria and yeast in your body that really want that sugar. And, of course, the more sugar we eat, the more yeast there is, so the more they're going to want it. And also the pleasure centers in our brain get, get it's, it's like when you drink alcohol, you get a certain level of tolerance. So in order to feel the pleasure, you have to eat more of it to get the same kind of pleasure, and you have to eat more, and you have to eat more. So um, it's the same thing that any other drug would do uh, to your brain. You just need to have more and more of it in order to get the same effect of it, mm-hmm. same pleasure center of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the category of um, the emotional craving, you know, which is that place where it's like, oh, okay, I'm not really feeling physically like I need the sugar, but, gee, you know, it's I want it because it makes me feel good. You know, it gives me that sense of connection. It gives me that sense of love in my life. I might be feeling, you know, tired or down, and it's like, oh, I bet, you know, that pint of ice cream would really be good right now. I just feel good, you know, and so we can we choose sugar as a way to fulfill a certain emotional need. I think certainly we can all relate to that. <laughs> yes. And then there's the third category, which is really, um, which is a good craving. It means your body's in balance and it's just craving. Usually those kind of, these kind of cravings come like, you know, you want a you know, piece of steak or you want, because you need the iron or you want vegetables because you're really needing a lot of those micronutrients. So we, we start to crave really wholesome foods because our body is literally saying, hey, I need that B12 or, hey, I need, you know, um, all those colorful micronutrients found in vegetables. So let's eat those. So that's the healthier kind of craving. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that we've talked about this too, Amy, where I'll speak to the audience and just say, um, I have been a follower of Amy's uh, work here and she's been showing me, which we're going to talk about soon, how to start balancing the, the body chemistry out. But I started to realize that so many celebrations, so many holidays, so many trips up to the wine country, and there's an excitement about going to this restaurant or being able to eat that dessert at this particular restaurant. And when that starts to go, there is this feeling of deprivation. And, and it's a big topic. How do we really begin to nurture ourselves? How do we get back in balance? And how can we really nurture ourselves? I know nurturing is a big topic here for you, Amy. You want to talk about it that? Yes. Oh, it, uh, it's, it's all I want to talk about. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about it because I really do think it is such a worthwhile pursuit um, in this new world we're creating. But... Um, I love that you brought that up because I I distinctly having remember having that experience where I'd gotten to the place where I really didn't have sugar cravings anymore and it actually surprised me like I was suddenly just aware that I didn't have them like going out to coffee and having my little treat with my husband or something I didn't care about having a treat anymore and I felt this this disappointment I felt like oh no I've lost my friend. I've lost my addiction. You know, what am I going to do now? And I think this is probably common for a lot of addicts. You know, you have to find what's going to replace, what's going to be the new thing that you bring in. And I hadn't thought about it. I just it hadn't occurred to me yet. And so that's when I sat down and I went, wait a minute. Okay, so it was that sweet treat that was really fulfilling, like you're saying, going to the wine country, having that that dessert or that, that wine and and just to say, sometimes that is a nice thing to go do. It's not we're not talking about never eating sugar if that's if that's not something you want to you know do. But 
when you really want to um, to be to cleanse yourself of that sugar, how do you deal with that sort of like wah kind of feeling? I can't have that, or I don't want to actually give that to my body anymore. And that's where it's really becoming more conscious about what is the sweetness about for you. And when I brought more consciousness to, oh well, the sweetness is going to be my conversation with my husband. The sweetness is going to be sitting in the sunshine and and just drinking some tea. And, of course, I always brought my own treats. So I, it's like I get to bring some of my own treats as, as another way to have that little bite of sweetness. But it's certainly not the whole experience. It's about bringing in a more intimate experience to what sweetness is to you personally and, and being conscious and creating what that is going to be. What, what, you know, what, how do you want to create the sweetness in your life that is beyond sugary treats? Now, I know for many of you out here, because I, I know what it's like to be a sugar addict myself, and uh, I, I was talking with Amy about this because I realized how much of the actual craving of indulgence for sugar really is gone. But it used to be so big in me. It was all consuming, and it consumes so much of your thoughts and feelings. But even hearing Amy say that, well, you can go sit in the sun. You know, you can go, I, I'm trying to think, you can get a massage. And for anybody who has that uh, that craving for sugar, it just sounds like, oh, give me a break. You know, that that's not going to uh-huh. be any kind of a substitute. But when the body comes into a balance where it starts getting in touch with its own sweetness, things like that are shockingly just as satisfying, if not more so. And also, let's not forget Amy's amazing d- divine desserts that are in her book that I can't I can't speak more highly about them. I love them all. Um, so I just want to say that for those of you that hear that and to go, yeah, right, just go sit in the sun. That'll do it. Hardly. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah. Just to say, it's just, this is after you've gotten rid of the physical cravings. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That's why the book is a very clear map. The it, we start with getting rid of all of that yeast and bad bad bacteria that's going feed me, feed me, feed me, and you you're not in control anymore. It's your brain just going, you know, it's whacked out. You know, you're an addict. And, and even if you don't think you're, you know, even if you're not eating sugar every day, you still have these kind of cravings. You know, there's there's some, there's a tension to be put there, and that's why the first step in the book is just very essential, and it's why it is the first step is to to bring in the cultured foods. Um, well, I had no idea that, that it, yeah. it could be that easy to just yeah. to eat cultured foods and drinks and to clear out all of that that negative toxic stuff. Let's talk about that because cultured foods, cultured vegetables, I bet a lot of people don't even know what those are. Mm, yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that it really is, uh, it is sort of a, a missing in our, in our culture for sure. Every other culture practically has a, a cultured food um, or, or what, and what you might know them as fermented food. Um, basically what it is, is, um, say, cultured vegetables, for instance, are where you take uh, vegetables, you shred them up, like a sauerkraut or beets or whatever vegetables you like, and you put them in a a jar or container and you submerge them in water and you add what's called a culture starter, which is really just bacteria. Now, not all um, fermented food you put a culture in because what happens, there's bacteria on all of our all the vegetables already. So if you submerge them in water over the course of several days, the bacteria, what they do is they start to literally digest. I know it sounds kind of icky, but 
you can also relate to it as, <laughs> as we are. Let me say this so that it gives you a little context. We are actually more bacteria than we are human cells. And so when you start to let that in, you realize, okay, actually this bacterial, bacterial world that we live in is a community that supports me, that I'm a part of, um, that I'm connected to, and I'm in communication with. And so when you relate to it that way, you start to go, oh, wow, so I'm taking in these beautiful bacteria that have pre-digested these, all these micronutrients and vitamins and minerals making them absorbable to my body, making them um, come alive. Actually, they're, they're little beings of light, literally, that talk to each other, that talk to our brain. They're actually showing, this, science is showing, this is, the microbiome in our, in our digestion is the new science of health and vitality, and they're literally talking to our brain, communicating with our brain. They're creating missing B vitamins. Oh, you need B12? Oh, let's make it. It's that kind of, of collaborative effort that they have in our digestive tract. So when you start to get out of this idea that bacteria is bad, um, then you can embrace this beautiful, like the kind of bacteria you see in beautiful soil and compost that creates these gorgeous, you know, organic gardens. Well, you know, you have your own internal garden, and the, the cultured foods um, and drinks um, actually fertilize that garden. It actually makes them grow beautifully. And in doing so, they support a much stronger immune system. They're able to fight off viruses and bad bacteria, um, you know, at the root of all, all illness. Um, they're able to really help, um, help you maintain a stronger body. Life. I, you know, you, you explained it to me over a glass of wine in the wine country, actually. You explained it to me. Uh, it's so beautifully. It's sort of like having a, a host of, of white little angels inside and then a, a host of kind of dark little uh, beings inside. And, and they're kind of either in, in communication or they're battling or there's this whole complexity going on inside of us. But we have the conscious choice to choose, am I going to feed these white angels that are in there to really help me grow and thrive? Or am I going to keep eating not only sugar, but there are other junky things that the, it's, it's almost as simple as saying that, no, it's not simple, but that the dark, the dark guys, the beasties, beastie bad boys of, of, of the micro world bacteria, that they really, they can't wait to get all the junk food. That's what they thrive on. But the, mm-hmm. well, can you talk a little bit about that? You're, you're better at saying it than I. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and well, in fact, that's one of the reasons why when you just start with, um, say, a culture drink, and I, I start with a really simple culture drink in the book, um, you'll often experience um, gas. And what's happening there is, 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 is these bacteria, the bad bacteria that's been sitting here happily, you know, uh, getting to live and have this whole uh, intestine to itself, suddenly now has all these little other little beings of light coming in, and they don't like it. So there's a war that'll happen, and so it causes gas. And so some people get turned off by that. They think it's bad for them. But what's happening is... You're basically tilling the soil. You're 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 scooping out the bad stuff, and you're you're seeding new, uh, beautiful life, and that's going to support your immune system. And yeah, I like to think of them as little beings of light, because that's what they are. They're here to support us, and um, and they all have different functions. They there's different kinds, like plantarum, for instance, is. Um, very much associated with vegetables. Whenever you eat cultured vegetables, plantarum is a powerful antiviral. 
So when you're, if you start to feel that little, you know, flu or, or cold or something, I do. I just take a couple spoonfuls of cultured vegetables, and I usually can knock it right out just by taking that. Well, um, you were you were so sweet. You know, three weeks ago when I started to get that horrible flu, um, Amy arrived on my doorstep. What an angel! Dro- drove about forty five minutes to come and bring me this this little packet that had her cultured. Uh, garlic cloves, her cultured vegetables. She put little sticky notes on everything on what I should do. And I felt so much better after eating what you had in that little bag. I got so excited about following my little sticky notes. It really helped me. And, um, you know, I, she t- showed me how to doctor just a regular chicken uh, vegetable soup that you get from a Chinese store. She showed me how to make that just a power pack of, of, of helping to be an antiviral. And it, it did help me make, you know, feel so much better. I still got the flu, but oh my gosh, it was so nurtured by that, Amy. Mm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And that's why I really, you know, it can sound kind of complicated and hard, but truly it, it's just new. This is just new, and it's not that it's complicated or hard, and I think it's this place, that's why I like to call it the new frontier of food, and um, because it's just about learning about new foods. It's really not hard. It's just learning new ingredients, new super ingredients, new you know vitamins and minerals that are in different foods that we can now start adding to our foods to make them actually taste better and help us heal, help heal us. So... Um, you know, so just to say that it's it's not it's all of this stuff is really easy to learn. It's just um, there's a newness to it, or there's an unfamiliarity to it, so it can feel a little bit scary to people. Well, but that's why I start real slow in the book, so people can just start with a drink, a fizzy, yummy, delicious, sparkling drink, and uh, that's usually easy for people to grasp. <laughs> well, it really is, and and that is the first thing that I've been doing with your with your coaching and your help. I've been making my uh, coconut kefir water um, and drinking those. I am absolutely can't say addicted. I'm not going to go there, but I will say I love my my sparkly drink, and I get so excited thinking I'm feeding the angels. I'm feeding the angels in my body, and I'm about to start making my very first cultured vegetables. I've got all the ingredients now for that. But um, I know people want to hear more about your book. Tell us a little bit about that, and. Um, and then we're going to talk about the deeper topic, which will lead into our visualization today. So, you know, yeah. how can people get more of you, Amy, and what you're teaching here? It's fascinating. And by the way, folks, this book really is short, readable, and uh, profound. Yesterday, I, I called after reading chapter two, and I, I had uh, uh, such insights about the nurturing of the part of me that is not nurturing myself. Her book is great. So tell us a little bit about that, Amy. Well, just to say, yeah, the book really offers a full map. It's not just about getting off of sugar. It's about really finding um, this nurturing presence that lives inside of you that will guide you, that will give you a sense of a brighter future for you, that that adult nurturing presence, uh, which I also refer to as your future self, um, is different than an indulgent voice. It's different than the critical voice. It's one that holds you in high esteem and compels you to make uh, better choices, to make, you know, beautiful choices, to make choices that, you know, support and heal and love you and and, and never pushing you um, to to do anything you're not ready to do, but inspiring you. And and I know, you know, Maria's going to take us on a journey to, to look at that. And so, what I've done in the book is just kind of take you on full circle, is really introduce you to all of these new foods as well, and then, of course, offer some recipes to get you started um, making your own deliciously divine treats in the kitchen. 
And what I'm going to be offering is um, a class that um, for some people they still want to, you know, that visual, they want to be able to ask questions, they want a sort of a hands-on experience. So um, in on March 14th, I'm going to be offering a class that will be online, so it's very accessible. It will also be recorded if you can't make the times. Um, and you can get all the information on sweethealing.com to learn about the, more about the class, but it'll be an afternoon class from 3 to 4.30. And this is uh, April, April, right? April? I'm sorry, yes. This will be at May, May 14th and oh, May, May 14th. 28th. Mm-hmm. And that'll be from 3 to 4.30. And for anybody who um, wants to sign up for today, a little incentive will be for the first five people that do sign up today, I will send them a free book so they can get started uh, right away with their healing journey. I love this book. I couldn't wait. In fact, she gave me the digital version before it was published, but I was <laughs> I was whipping down there to get down to some of my favorite treats, like <laughs> your incredible muffins. And she she makes this incredible, well, everything about it is delicious, but the, the, these healthy muffins, and I've been eating them this week and being so excited to be able to have that break with it. So delicious. And the, the butterscotch topping that is so healthy and you just feel so nurtured. So this book is great. And I'm sure your class is going to be wonderful too. Well, oh, what, you want to talk? Just to say too, if if you just want to sign up for my newsletter on my website, that's all free. I'd send out a monthly newsletter if you just want to get some free recipes and start start um, start trying out your hand at new things. And um, certainly sign up for my newsletter, and that just comes out monthly, so I don't inundate you with <laughs> emails. Yes, and it has the whole on on her newsletter are all the other recipes, so they can learn how to make the the coconut kefir and the cultured vegetables. Yeah. And this book is an inspiration. So a bigger picture here, um, let's say that again, you can sign up for Amy's wonderful uh, recipe the newsletter at Long... Would you give us that URL, you can, please? You, you can find everything at sweethealing.com. Okay, sweethealing.com. Sign up for the newsletter and um, lucky you, people, first five people to sign up uh, for her, her... It's going to be the class, right, in May that they're the ones that yeah. are going to be able to... Great. Yeah, so, yeah. If they want to sign up now today, I'll send them out a free book for the first five people. It's um, ninety-seven dollars right now, and then after April fifteenth, it'll go up to one hundred and twenty-seven. So, um, uh, I encourage you to sign up now. <laughs> so ninety-seven dollars for the two classes, which has all the the training and the being able to access you plus the book. What a deal. A very sweet deal. <laughs> well, talking a bit about nurturing, because we're going to talk more about that next week, but to get that going, we want to just talk about the bigger picture here. Uh, for those of you who can relate to this, uh, those of you who have been eating sugar or feel that uh, addictive feeling at times with sugar, there, it's a real yo-yo where you're feeling like, you know, oh, I'm just going to indulge and have this and I'm going to have that and I'm going to have a couple high fish Sundays or whatever it might be. And then you feel terrible and then you go back, okay, that's it. No sugar, no this, no that. And we yo-yo back and forth between this place of, oh, what the heck? I'm just going to have Haagen-Dazs, the whole gallon, whatever. I mean, man, those days are years ago. But um, where we have this indulgent uh, feeling in which just forget it. I refuse to diet. I can't do it anymore. And then, all right, strap in, strap down, get disciplined. And we, we go back and yo-yo back and forth between this place of letting go and then being so strict with ourselves. And this is huge. It, just to even get off that pendulum of swinging back and forth is major. Yeah. Want to talk a bit about that, Amy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually think this is the heart of the book. It really is. It is the turning point of where that, that is, that is your, that will awaken in you 
um, your own uh, lifelong journey, which really is about there's there's this critical part that really you know says you know it that thinks it has your best interest in mind, saying oh if you just restrict yourself and you just deprive yourself, you know the reward will be there later. Now, what this critical part doesn't have um, is it doesn't really have a sense of a future vision for you. It's not really connected to any real sense of a future. It's just demanding that you you follow these strict rules right now. Whenever you do that, you don't feel a, a certain kind of compelling, like, wow, this is going to take me to where I want to go. No, it's just a, it, it just feels depriving, and it feels punishing, quite frankly. Yeah. And then yeah. the other pendulum is really the indulgent parent, which, again, it can, be, it can look like the nurturing voice, but, um, again, it doesn't have this future vision for you. It's not saying, okay, honey, you know, drink that, you know, eat that, that pint of ice cream, um, because it's really going to further you. It's really going to have you, you know, connect to something, you know, more beautiful in you. No, it just says, yeah, go ahead and have it. You've earned it. You know, there's no real sense, because after you've eaten it, you usually feel, go right back to that critical and just punish yourself for doing it. Yeah, and that's yeah. the telltale sign, with, whether you've been an indulgent uh, parent or nurturing parent. The telltale sign is, how do you feel afterwards? Did it nurture you? Did it really change your experience? Did it really feed your future? Yeah. And um, it, 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 in indulgence, it won't. It won't. It'll be a cheap trick, and it'll be a cheap experience. It you know, won't I, really fulfill you. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think it's a real eye-opener to think that critical voice that is trying to get you back on the diet or whatever it might be, and then the indulgent one, what they're both trying to do is just make your life miserable. They don't have that vision for you of your future. Now, we don't have a time for really long visualizations. So what I think we'll do is just a tiny one today and we'll do something longer next week about this because um, to really get in there, we, we really want you to experience, and this is the great news here. There's so much great news on this call actually. Um, but one of the great news is that there is life beyond this swinging back and forth on that crazy pendulum. And there is this this still beautiful voice of your adult presence inside of you that really does have vision for your future and knows how to nurture you to become the the most you can be in this lifetime. So I'm going to go, stop here, Amy, for a second because we, we're actually going to run out of time. And um, I, I, I think we'll have a chance to say goodbye here, but I do want to give people a little taste of some of those voices inside. So mm-hmm. why don't we do that? And um, and then we'll, yeah, we can say goodbye later. But everybody who would like to just close your eyes, this won't be a meditation, but just a way to at least feel the resonances so much the resonance of these voices and so much of what you do when you do your inner work is your feeling your your experience how these energies feel so as you close your eyes and gently and just relax feel yourself relaxing dropping any energy that is feeling just annoying or noisy dropping your energy into your chair letting your feet be on the floor perhaps or lying down, but just let your body as much as you can right now sink into a state of relaxation. And as you relax and let go, just imagine now that wherever you may be, that there's there's a feeling of that 
I'm in this swing that goes back and forth between, between letting myself have whatever I want and indulging and having a very critical voice inside of you. Boy, I think I'm having resistance. My, my throat is really ch- choking up. <coughs> Excuse me. So think of that voice and allow with your eyes closed to get an image of a part of you. We all want a parenting voice. We all have one inside of us. We have a child, an adolescent. We have an amalgamated version of our parent inside. But imagine that part that likes to call to you, hey, you've been working hard. You can, You deserve it. You don't have to go into work today. You can eat that. And sense what form it takes for you. Just feel it. Intend. I want to see my indulgent, overindulgent parent or that voice in me. Sense it out there in front of you. And listen to what it has to say. Well, first, before that, actually feel into that resonance field. Is it, does it feel kind of sticky and stifling? messy? Is it kind of like weeds or something that entangles you? How would you describe the energy when you look at that part of you that just, hey, no rules. Just do whatever you want. You, you've earned it. You've, you've been good for a whole week, whatever it might say. And listen to the voice in you and feel its energy and notice what it wants to say. To you. Even if you can't hear it, you can just make it up. It might try to be quiet. It might be very active now that it has the floor. And as you feel into the energy and you're listening to what it's saying, really feel does this have my best interest at heart here? Is this really nurturing? Get a sense of how this voice in you tries to snooker you or just say, hey, there are no rules, just go for it. How that makes you feel. And if this is difficult for you, recall a time when you did. Just give yourself either binge eating, binge anything as a way just to get away and out of some level of restriction. And feel how its impact is on you at this moment. Yeah, it feels great in the moment, but oof, I hate paying for it later. And thank that voice and, and release it, just sense it fading away. And now call up one that for some of you may be even stronger, the, the judge, that critical parent voice. It's stern. It's the one that you go to after having indulged and sense its energy. And both of these, by the way, may certainly take the form of that negative negativity, the negative ego. One may definitely be more dominant than the other. Sense its energy. Is it you know, strict? What does it look like? Is it thin and pinched and demanding? Is it big and cracking a whip or holding a club? 
know, it feels it has, it knows what's right for you and it knows how to get you back in shape and it's going to do it. And listen to its voice now as you hear what it wants to say. It may start with a few insults. You're fat. You've got no discipline. Okay, let's get going here. You've been such and such. You're going to do this, then you're going to do that. What's wrong with you? You can't keep any diet going. And feel how that feels. Feel how hard you're being on yourself, even listening to this. Listen to whatever it has to say. It may have a long list. It may be at times fed up with you because you just can't be perfect enough or whatever. And what you're doing so beautifully now is sensing what these energies are doing and how they feel in your body. One can be very full and it looks like so much giving yourself permission when it really is a trap of a different kind. And this can be so tight or cold. Find your words for it. Excellent. Thank it for sharing and let it fade now. And now intend, I call my nurturing parent, I call my, my nurturing adult presence, which is just as alive, it just isn't loud or bossy, let it stand in front of you now. And feel this presence before you. You may be feeling its love or its safety. Maybe a sense of generosity or hope. This is your friend, a real friend here. This presence is filled with possibility and excitement, intimacy and creativity for new ideas. It has vision for your future. It'll never push you or ask you to go where you don't want to, but it may bring some things to your attention that really are loving for you to do. And we will need for that to be what the visualization is, is you thank this part of you. You can go back to each of them and work with them. And just thank this nurturing presence. We're going to work with all of these again next week when we have more time. We are running out of time at this um, juncture, but many of you may want to just sit with that nurturing presence or write about what you had today, or, or learn more from each of them. Write that out. Get more intimate with it. And Amy and I, you can just gently come back or, or stay in, in visualization if you like. But Amy will be back next week. This We want to help connect all of you to this nurturing part of you. Nurturing is so crucial and what stands in the way of our nurturing. We're going to work more with that next week. And just a reminder, I'm going to say that uh, you, you know that... Uh, Many of you, is, for some of you, it's hard to stay focused. We've been talking the whole show about how much sugar can distract us from being focused. Or anything in this, this fast-paced world with information overload. It's easy to lose sight of your priorities and get stuck. And find yourself spinning at times, with sugar certainly, but also with too much to do. So I'm asking again, please join me on that free call I'm going to have for you to get unstuck and get your focus back on whatever it is that you truly want. 
something that you re- that really matters to you. So please do go sign up at www.legendaryleaders.com and sign up. We've got two calls. One is going to be on a Thursday afternoon and one on a Saturday morning. I'd love for you to be on that call and um, we can talk about that. Please go sign up for that. Today is going to be the last day that I'm offering my free channeling uh, class. I'm going to be putting that on hold while I am preparing other free things for you. So some of you may want to join us on that call today. This will be the last one for that. And I want to thank all of you today for listening. It's been a rich and full uh, call today. Oh, my goodness, do go to Longevity Recipe. Her, her desserts are really divine and nurturing. We'll be talking with you again next week, Amy, and thank you for being here today. Thank you, Maria. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you for listening to Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. It's always an honor to support all of you unsung heroes on your journey to become the legendary leaders that you're destined to be. And until next week, I send you my love, send you nurturing and best wishes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week for Legendary Leaders. Maria Danley invites you to join her for another inspiring show next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Have a wonderful week.